Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1457, that would be NCC 1457, entitled Star Treks. Our podcast title is Let's Pod on a Show. (laughs) I am Rob Jan and on today's episode we are going to focus upon Genre musicals, which sounds like a captain of the Enterprise too, genre Picard. But we have been contemplating this actually since last week during the Radiothon. I was playing some tracks and I thought, you know, I've never actually done a focus upon genre musicals on the show. I mean, we've played lots of tracks and we've occasionally drilled down on episodes of shows where they've actually done it as a whole musical, like, you know, obviously Buffy the Vampire Slayer wants more feeling, but I don't think we've actually done a bit of a spread on them yet. And so today, that's what we're going to do. All right, so we are... Just starting out there with Jeff Russo's variant theme for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the main title theme, Subspace Rhapsody. So you'll notice more, not quite a cappella lyrics there, but yeah, a bit of singing and dancing going on in that entire episode of season two. And that's probably the thing that generated my renewed interest in the genre musical today, uh, because that's just dropped recently on uh, Paramount Plus, the episode in the season two of SNW, as we call it, not Saturday Night Live, Strange New Worlds. And as you may know, that series of Star Trek is set in the era where Captain Christopher Pike, played by Anson Mount, is the captain of the USS Enterprise. So this is before Captain Kirk's five-year mission. And technically speaking, it's kind of set in the Star Trek original series timeline and also not because there are actual timeline changes in it. I don't tie myself in too many knots about this. It's long past the day when I was writing Star Trek fan fiction. And in any case, wherever they did something that was uh, odd in terms of continuity of the show... I just took that as a challenge to try and figure out in fan fiction. So I kind of got used to that over the years and, you know, comic book fan as well, so I don't really worry too much about continuity in these things. It's interesting, but it doesn't govern my passion for these shows. So, you know, this one, Strange New Worlds, it's a cracker of a Star Trek series, one of the best and certainly does capture everything about Star Trek that we know and love. I don't really rank these shows in terms of, well, this one's rubbish, this one's good, or I like this one better than that one. You know, it's kind of like Doctor Who in a way. Who is your favourite Doctor? Yeah. Which is your favourite Star Trek? Uh Uh-huh. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, of course, there are ones that I enjoy more than others or to a greater extent, and Strange New Worlds is one of those. And they've been really kicking goals in the second season with some stories that are both bizarre and unusual and quite, uh, (laughs) shall we say, innovative for Star Trek along the way, Uh, particularly um, 
One's about uh, where they introduced characters from the animated series Lower Decks. And, you know, this is the thing about musicals in genre shows. Unlike ones where it might be, uh, you know, an episode where they just decide to break into song and it's wacky or they've got some sort of... Um, you know, fairly ordinary reason for putting songs in or, or whatever. Uh, they go full on in genre shows. There's always some gobbledygook explanation for why it's happening in-universe. And in Strange New Worlds, uh, Subspace Rhapsody, well, you know, they're doing some experiments and they're exploring a, a rift in space and they happen to f- fire some s- songs into it just as uh, part of their experiments and it causes this, like, reality shift and suddenly they're in this musical universe and <laughs> everybody has to get in on the act. And, of course, then they have to find out a way to stop it. <laughs> so, you know, this is the other thing about these musicals. There is always some kind of focus upon the characters in it because it serves to push forward the character arcs and to clarify them. And, you know, this is a a good thing in a a musical show because, of course, you've got large group numbers where you can advance the interactions of the characters, quite literally in some cases, and you've also got the individual songs which can focus in upon the individual character arcs. And they did that very well in Strange New Worlds. It's one of my, I would say, you know, there's about uh, top ten genre musical episodes and this is well, well up in the top. You know, it's like... um, in the Xena Warrior Princess and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and so on. This one really rocks, quite literally, as they skate across different musical genres. Now, of course, the useful thing about these shows is if you take any group of actors and actresses and just shake them up in a box, you are going to find that a number of them are pretty damn good at vocals and also perhaps uh, choreography as well and dancing because often, you know, they've got some sort of component of their careers that have been on Broadway or in the West End or somewhere, you know, like these sort of actors, they can do anything. Uh, Pretty much you will find that the ones who are able to really carry a tune or or do a bit of hoofing are the ones who carry the show. But in the case of, say, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar hadn't done too much of that work beforehand. And so she had to step up and, boy, did she. It's an outstanding performance from her once more feeling. But that's no real revelation. You know how much SMG was the linchpin of that entire show. Uh, So, you know... I mean, I don't want to say underrate her ability to do that, but, you know, it's kind of expected from her in retrospect. We know how good she was. Anyway, enough waxing lyrical about uh, SMG. Let's have another track here. Now, I think, since I mentioned uh, Xena Warrior Princess just before, we will go to... The Bittersweet, a musical odyssey. Now, The Bittersweet, it's uh, what's third season episode of Xena Warrior Princess. You know what that show is. Sam Raimi's whew, satirical show about um, a classical warrior princess, the title Lucy Lawless in that role. And, you know, this is a, a companion piece to his uh, Hercules legendary journeys. And in a similar vein to other Sam Raimi historical spoof sort of shows. Uh, Even has Bruce Campbell in it too. 
So this one is from 1998, so it's quite early in the piece, and it's written by Chris Manholm and Stephen L. Sears and directed by Ole Sasson. Now, the regular series composer, Joseph Loduca, who did the title theme and other music in Xena on a normal basis, uh, he worked a lot on this one and they've come up with a whole bunch of original songs for it, uh, along with lyricist Dennis Spiegel. And they all got nominated for Emmys along the way for these musical episodes. Uh, they had a director, a choreographer named Jeff Calhoun doing it, so there was no mucking around with this one. But at the same time, it also highlighted another trope of genre musical episodes, which is to say that they have a lot of fun with them. So the plot of this one is that Xena, Lucy Lawless, and her sidekick, Gabrielle, Renee O'Connor, well, they go adventuring together in the land of Illusia, and they have to resolve issues that have recently caused them to go their separate ways. Which is to say, Gabrielle's daughter, Hope, killed Xena's son, Solon. So, yeah, a little bit of (laughs) fixing up there to go on. A bit of patching of relationships. Of course, this episode also featured Hudson Leake playing Callisto, uh, one of the goddesses in the the pantheon of Xena. Uh, She actually got dubbed for this one. We had uh, Ted Ramey, Sam Ramey's brother, Kevin Todd Smith, Carl Urban, who's gone on to many other things since he played uh, Caesar, I think, in uh, Xena Warrior Princess. And, you know, they had uh, Renee O'Connor, Gabrielle, being dubbed when she was singing by Broadway singer Susan Wood. But uh, Lawless, Smith, Ramey and others did their own singing for the episode. This is Liar, Liar, as in the... Greek musical instrument, Hearts on Fire, which I think is a great title. Season 5, and that's another one that comes on after The Bittersweet. So it's another musical episode. But we'll go back to The Bittersweet here now. And which song have I picked out to play for you here? Well, this is a bit of a medley. So this one will go from What's Still Unwritten, which, which is the song of Illusia, the realm in which this story takes place, uh, slash Little Ditties, slash Into the Chandra, slash Jocks of the Mighty. Now, that's actually a song that they used before in the Xenoverse where um, Sam Raimi is singing his own sort of song about um, his adventures, a little bit like Brave Sir Robin, actually, in the... Monty Python and the Holy Grail movie. So he's got his own, like, uh, like chorus following him around. <laughs> and then the last part of this complicated medley is Prepping Gabby. Now, this is a five-minute track. It's from The Bittersweet, a musical odyssey, and they wrote all the songs for this and did the lyrics and everything. And, you know, it'll give you kind of an idea of what's going on in this strange and unusual episode. Now, you've got to remember that this one is from 1998. It is by no means the first genre musical episode or even the first musical episode of any show, but it is one of the most influential from that time. And after people saw that, they thought, hmm, this is an interesting idea. And, you know, from there on, it was Kitty Bar the Gate. Triple R. If you are not interested in genre musicals today, you're out of luck on Zero G or out of 
low duca, as you would say, in terms of Zeno. Because I've been inspired to grab my lyre and go strolling along the bardic space lanes today, looking at some musical episodes of science fiction and fantasy shows. Listening to them, actually, more like it. Now... You know, there have been live action or animated television shows entirely based around a band or a group, so naturally they would feature one or two songs or maybe more. You know, like the Monkees, the Partridge Family, reaching back into the 60s, the Josie and the Pussycats, the Archies, more recently Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem from The Muppet Show. Uh, And, you know, even um, I Love Lucy back in 1956, they did a a sort of a send-up of Brigadoon with uh, an episode called Lucy Goes to Scotland. You know, there were regular shows like Gilligan's Island, um, Ali McBeal, Scrubs, 30 Rock, Community and so on. They'd just drop in songs or whole episodes would be devoted to it. But, you know, as I was saying before, science fiction and fantasy tend to find in-universe explanations for their warbling. And they also use it to advance the character arcs as for, for individual characters and for groups as well. So what are they going to sing about? Well, what they've been doing and what they're going to do tends to dominate. So if you've got a lot of seasonal stuff that's been going on in that particular part of a show, then they'll reference all of that and maybe even sort a few things out as they did in the Xena. Bittersweet. Now, another one that they did on Xena, as I mentioned, is a, uh, Liar, Liar, Hearts on Fire, which I think is even a better <laughs> title in the bittersweet. Uh, and this is set in a place called Melodia, and it's the uh, <laughs> came out in 2000. It was written by Adam Armas and Nora K. Foster, and it was the 100th episode of 134, so, you know, special place. And their in-universe explanation for all the music, all the song and dance in this one, well, there was... Um, uh, Terpsichore's liar. Now, Terpsichore is another goddess. And uh, in order to stop a war that was being going to be fought over possession of that, Xena, that peacemaker that she was, <laughs> well known for that, she decides to organise a battle of the bands. <laughs> so that's what happens in this one. Now, the songs in this one were not original. They're all covers in this one. So, you know, they've got a lot in this one that you'll recognise, but the uh, the songs like um, ooh, Dancing in the Moonlight, uh, Always Something There to Remind Me, Sisters Are Doing It for Themselves, Kick Out the Jams, uh, People Gotta Be Free, and this one is War, originally Edwin Starr, covered by lots of different people, but entirely appropriate for the old warrior princess. And this one is from Liar Liar, Hearts on Fire. So let's get this one. Pick your chakra up, do your alalalating battle cry, and off you go. And no liars were unstrung in the making of this episode of Xena, Warrior Princess. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. and Danny Strong. We play Andrew and Jonathan on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R FM. Dude, what's the G stand for? I don't know. Geek, maybe it's stuff for geek. No. Well, it does, actually. <laughs> I've got to tell you the lie there. Rob Jan here, flying hand solo today. Our co-host, Megan McHugh, is off today. And we have decided to swing on by 
genre musicals today. And the, uh, the actual <laughs> raison d'etre for that particular one was that Zena had to avoid a war by trying to create a battle of the bands instead. Not a bad idea. Lucy Lawless singing in that song herself and, of course, she has actually quite a good musical career as well. In 1997, she was on Broadway playing Betty Rizzo, the bad girl. Gee, <laughs> you think? Uh, so she always wanted to actually play Sandy but um, thought that this might have been a bit of a typecast to play Rizzo. But, you know, there she is. All right, so she had other roles along the way. We know her from Battlestar Galactica, of course, uh, where she was playing a reporter. And we've heard her a lot in other voice contexts too, especially DC productions where she has logically given voice to Diana Prince slash Wonder Woman, amongst other characters. So, yeah, and of course I remember her from the Spartacus Blood and Sand show where she played... uh, Lucretia, the wife of the um, Lentulus uh, Batiatus, and they were the owners of the gladiatorial school in that one. So, yeah, I mean, she's been around quite a bit. And do you remember her? This one is a, a small role that she had in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, where she appeared in that too. So, yeah, she has done so much. And as I was saying, a good set of pipes on her to do this sort of thing. In fact, she even was um, on celebrity uh, duets as well. All right, so moving along from Xena, you heard uh, one of the uh, the free geeks from <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer just there in the ID cart. And that brings us along to Once More With Feeling, the seventh episode of the sixth season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which ran between 1997 and 2003. It's the only episode which was done as a musical on the show, and it aired in 2001. So post those, uh, the first of the Xena uh, musical episodes. Now, the in-universe explanation for this is that a demon comes along, as they do in Sunnydale, where's, where uh, Buffy hangs out, and... This demon is called Sweet and he decides that he's going to cast a spell on them that will reveal all of their innermost truths and then, of course, have to um, bear the consequences of hearing the other people singing about that. So it's actually a quite good idea for, for Buffy and, you know, it is still all credit to the hundreds of people who worked in the show from actors to cast and yes to the creator of the score and the lyrics for this Joss Whedon a flawed genius that he is and in this case the story revolves around Buffy but also the other characters interlock with her arc as expressed in the songs in the story uh, now a lot of these actors could sing and a lot of them couldn't. So, for example, uh, the actress who plays Dawn was uh, Michelle Trachtenberg. She was more of a ballet dancer and so they focused more upon a dance number for her. Uh, As I said earlier on in the show, Sarah Michelle Gellar had to really stand up to a quite complicated musical palette for this story and she did. 
um, not possibly as polished as Rupert Giles, the watcher, Anthony Stewart Head, who has his own career on stage, uh, has played um, uh, Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror, for example. Um, Emma Caulfield, of course, is also a pretty good singer. And um, also the uh, uh, she plays uh, Anya the Vengeance Demon and Amber Benson playing Tara McClay. All of those people had already previous experience at doing the Terpsichorean arts and the others, I thought they, they blended in quite well. They didn't try and push the ones who couldn't sing too far, apart from Sarah, uh, but... Um, and yeah, there's a whole story about that too, but I will sail on because I've got a lot to get through today. Um, and this episode is fondly remembered by pretty much all Buffy fans. You know, it's up there with, for different reasons, of course, Hush or The Body or, you know, this is one of those episodes that's echoed on through eternity. And like the Xena ones, has had a lot of influence on genre musical episodes of television shows ever since, and a few movies too. So this one... Um, We'll go with a track from the Once More We're Feeling soundtrack album, and it's nice that they put one of those out, and why wouldn't you? Again, another medley. It's got I've Got a Theory, Bunnies, and If We're Together. And the funny thing about this one, the funny bunny thing about this one is that they also reference this concept of bunnies possibly being evil, and that's playing off uh, the vengeance demon, demon Anya's sort of phobia about rabbits. They mentioned that in the Star Trek episode, uh, Subspace Rhapsody, that we talked about at the start of the show. So, you know, it's had that much of a, an effect that it's now being referenced in other musical TV episodes. Ah, oh, wheels within wheels within wheels. Here we go with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Once more, we're feeling, I've got a theory, slash bunnies, slash if we're together. And they're trying to work out what is actually causing them all to burst into song. And they do break the fourth wall in this, just like the Star Trek episode. It's baffled them that they can't understand why they're singing and dancing, and as well as the content of the actual songs, which explains a lot in their reactions. And I can't give you the visuals on this, but I can give you the song. Triple R. Now, we're talking about genre musicals here today on Zero G, just because we can. I just felt like it. Song and dance, it's spring. It's in the air. Perhaps that's the kind of meta fourth wall for Zero G today. <laughs> now, I'll just slip away from Buffy just for a moment and give you a, a kind of in theme sort of segue to Supernatural, you know, that incredibly long-running series starring Sam and Dean Winchester, the monster hunters from the show. There's a spin-off series called uh, The Winchesters, actually, about their, uh, their parents as well. But this one is the real thing, and it was the fifth episode of season 10. And, um, well... Its, it's reason for being is that Sam and Dean were doing one of their little drive-in investigations and they were at a school and the school was, well, doing a musical based upon their lives. Now, this is not an odd thing for the school to be doing because there was a popular series of novels about the Winchesters in the series and, you know... 
details were changed to protect their identities, of course, um, but, you know, it was also treated as fiction. And naturally, somebody decided to do a musical about that. So, you know, it all made sense in that kind of supernatural fashion. So I'm going to give you a track from this. So, like, this is the, uh, the school kids doing this, doing a good job too. And they're riffing off Carry On Wayward Son, which is a, a song that kept being repeated throughout the Supernatural run, uh, most often at recaps at the start of the seasons. So this is from Supernatural. It's called Fan Fiction is the, uh, the episode title. And this is a particular album that they put together to showcase some of those because that's what you do. If you do a musical episode, you've got to have some kind of album to bounce off it. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. This is Kim Stanley Robinson, author of Red Mars, Green Mars and Blue Mars. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. Yeah, carry on my wayward son from Supernatural, the musical. Fan fiction is the actual title of the episode. And when was that, that uh, booted around? 2014, so a much later one than Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which we now will return from. I often wondered what would happen if they all showed up in the one town like the Winchesters. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and her Scooby gang and the actual Scooby gang and maybe the Ghostbusters. That, ah, <laughs> somebody's got to do that someday. Yeah, you can see that happening. Well, yeah, no, maybe, maybe not. All right, so we will go back to the Once More We're Feeling, Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical, the original cast album. And the track I wanted to play here, another group shot really but uh, again carried by SMG walk through the fire as they're trying to figure out what the heck is going on in Sunnydale why are they all bursting into song and feeling the need to dance together and the detail in that episode is remarkable like there's a a bit where they uh, where Buffy is struggling with a song and you know and that could be the actress pushing into it and trying to man up and do it or a chosen one up and do it. Uh, Or it could also be the fact that the demon, Mr Sweet, is hoping that she will fail and then burn up into flame. So Mr Giles says uh, Buffy needs backup and and, um, Willow and... Is it Willow? No, sorry. It's Tara and Anya step forward and do backup vocals for her. And I just thought, this is so clever, so meta and so complicated and intricate. One of the very best of the genre musical episodes for television. All right, so let's have a walk through the fire from Once More With Feeling. Triple R. Yeah, we are letting it burn there with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wait, love the way that just trails off into the distance there. And that is from Once More with Feeling, Walk Through the Fire. Another one of those ones where they're all walking towards the camera at some stage in the, in the story and talking about musical genre episodes of television shows today on Zero G. Inspiration that struck me last week when we were doing Radiothon. How'd that all go for you, folks? Some bloody good radio on during the old thon, I thought. Very much enjoy listening to it every year. 
And also, of course, listening to subscribers call in. So, yeah, it's not over really until all the pledges are paid off. But, you know, you're from Starfleet. You don't lie. <laughs> well, you might use a liar today if you are listening to the Xena tracks before. But anyway, we have another track here from Mayhem of the Music Meister. And this is from the animated series Batman the Brave and the Bold, Season 1, Episode 25. And, you know, it's got Neil Patrick Harris in it. So, you know, also doing his um, oh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog um, performance in that Joss Whedon production. But in this one, he is playing a somewhat different character. And the track here is called Drive Us Bats. And basically, it's a bunch of villains singing about Batman and how he is a person who actually puts them all into Arkham Asylum, whether or not he actually drops them there or whether he just does drive them bats. Okay, you know, there's some mental health issues here that the villains in Gotham City have. But you know what? It's no wonder because in their universe, in their context of their universe, they're constantly terrified by this Dark Knight vigilante. That's his whole shtick, isn't it? Anyway, this is from Batman the Brave and the Bold, the mayhem of the Music Meister. Again, this is another highly regarded genre musical, this time from the animated section of the DC Universe, which I must say I often prefer to the live action, but you know that. Triple Ah. This is Raymond D. Feiss, scribe of Midkemia, and you're listening to Zero G, science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio. Yeah, he drives us bats with Neil Patrick Harris, amongst others, playing villains in Gotham City from the Batman, the Brave, and the Bold Mayhem of the Music Meister. Ah, good stuff there. Nice DC. Decent DC, Detective Comics, that is. In case you've ever wondered what that stands for, it doesn't stand for Democratic Capital. No, no, no. Anyway, we are talking about musical episodes of genre series today with their in-universe explanations for why everybody suddenly breaks into a soft shoe shuffle. I was thinking before, and a lot of them are humorous, uh, semi Serious as well. Uh, the best of them are everything, all at, everything, everywhere, all at once. And I was just a little detail that popped out in my head as I was going along. I heard a sliding whistle in the uh, the Xena Warrior Princess one earlier on. I thought, yeah, that pretty much sets the tone for it, doesn't it? You know that uh, thing that's used for Free Stooges sound effects and all those kind of things. Anyway, we'll move on to another track here. And this one doesn't get as much play on air as it should do. Certainly, you tend to gravitate towards certain tracks. Uh, And I think I'll just go into what would be a track that I actually love from Once More We're Feeling. It's Under Your Spell. And this is the the, uh, Amber Benson um, Tara love song for Willow, Alison Hannigan's character. And I just think it's a really strong song, especially for its placement in the Buffy series at that time, uh, as Anya and uh, sorry, as um, Tara and Willow are kind of they're getting into their relationship, and it's sort of 
spring is in the air, basically, with this one. You can see the blossoms falling down and the summer dresses and the whole thing. <laughs> it's all going on there in this song, Under Your Spell. And it does showcase the fact that um, Amber Benson's uh, got a great set of pipes there for this kind of thing. All right, here we go with this one. Triple R. Yeah, very erotic song, that one, Under Your Spell. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, once more we're feeling the musical there. It reminds me, because Willow is the character who she's singing that about, uh, which is to say um, Tara, uh, it reminds me of the Willow song from The Wicker Man, not the bees one, but the one with Edward Woodward. That goes back away. Now, that's about it for Zero G today. We will have a final track here, riffing off Strange New Worlds episode, Subspace Rhapsody. And this is something that just occurred to me. Uh, this is non sequitur to the musical stuff, just to break you out of that 4-4. Uh, the circle is now complete. I watched um, the episode of uh, Ahsoka, the Star Wars series, uh, last week, and uh, Jedi Ahsoka Tano has her Padawan stewed Sabine Rem, but put on a helmet with its blast shield lowered so she can't see with her eyes, but must rely upon the force to fight with. So essentially she's a blind swordswoman. And she calls it Zatoichi technique. Wow, you know. <laughs> or Zatoichi, if you want to go that way. They already have a lone wolf and cub in the Mandalorian and Grogu, a hidden fortress in the first Star Wars movie, and seven samurai in uh, Rogue One. So why not? Satoichi, the famous blind swordsman of Japanese samurai movies. Was the gambling masseuse using the force all along? Who will know? <laughs> Maybe not the 1960s or the, uh, the 80s one. They're all pretty quite supernatural in themselves. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool on the uh, Ahsoka show. Anyway, Strange New Worlds, Subspace Rhapsody, enshrined along those other iconic ones. The Klingon boy band sub-number is entirely hilarious. And that's included in this track that we're going to go out with. And the look on Uhura's face and Pike's. And, and they notice Sam Kirk rocking to the Klingon's turn there in the background. You have not heard it sung until you've heard it in the original K Klingon pop. All right, so the song we'll go out with is called uh, We Are One. And it's like the big wrap-up number from... Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, Subspace Rhapsody. That's it for Zero G for today. Sing on, cling on. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.